0: Section 18 of the Waning of the Middle Ages, a study of the forms of life, thought, and art in France and Netherlands in the 14th and 15th centuries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Emanuela. The Waning of the Middle Ages by Johann Witzinga, translated by Frederick Ian Hopman. Symbolism in its decline. Chapter fifteen. Symbolism in its decline. Thus, religious emotion always tended to be transmuted into images mystery seemed to be graspable by the mind when invested with a perceptible form the need of adoring the ineffable invisible shape was continually creating ever new features in the fourteenth century the cross and the lamb no longer sufficient for the effusion of overflowing love offered to jesus to this is added the adoration of the name of jesus which occasionally threatens to eclipse even that of the cross Harry suso tattoos the name of jesus over his heart and compares himself to the lover who wears the name of his beloved embroidered on his coat bernardino of siena at the end of a moving sermon lights two candles and shows the multitude a board a yard in length bearing on an azure ground the name jesus in golden letters surrounded by the sun's rays the people filling the church kneel down and weep with emotion the custom spreads especially with the franciscan preachers is the carthusian is represented in art holding such a board in his uplifted hands the sun as a crest above the arms of geneva is derived from this usage the ecclesiastical authorities regarded the matter with suspicion there was some talk of superstition and of idolatry there were tumults for and against bernardino was summoned before the curia and the usage was forbidden by pope martin v about at the same time a very similar form of adoring christ under a visible sign was successfully introduced into the ritual namely that of the monstrance to this also the church objected at first the use of the monstrance was originally forbidden except during the week of the corpus christi in taking instead of the original form of a tower that of a radiant sun the monstrance became very like the board bearing jesus name of which the church disapproved the abundance of images in which religious thought it to dissolve itself would have only produced a chaotic phantasmagoria if symbolic conception had not worked it all into a vast system where every figure had its place of no great truth was the medieval mind more conscious that of St. Paul's phrase Videmus nunc per speculum in enigmate tunc autem face ad facem. Footnote: For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And of footnote. The Middle Ages never forgot that all things would be absurd if their meaning were exhausted in their function and their place in the phenomenal world if by their essence they did not reach into a world beyond this this idea of a deeper significance in ordinary things is familiar to us as well independently of religious convictions as an indefinite feeling which may be called up at any moment by the sound of raindrops on the leaves or by the lamplight on a table such sensations may take the form of a morbid oppression so that all things seem to be charged with a menace or a riddle which we must solve at any cost or they may be experienced as a source of tranquillity and assurance by filling us with the sense that our own life too is involved in this hidden meaning of the world the more this perception converges upon the absolute one when so things emanate the sooner it will tend to pass from the insight of a lucid moment to a permanent and formulated conviction by cultivating the continuous sense of our connection with the power that made things as they are we are tempered more towardly for their reception the outward face of nature need not alter but the expressions of meaning in it alter it was dead and is alive again it is like the difference between looking on a person without love or upon the same person with love when we see all things in god and refer all things to him we read in common matters superior expressions of meaning here then is the psychological foundation from which symbolism arises in god nothing is empty of sense nihil vacuum neque sine signo apud deum said saint Irenaeus. so the conviction of a transcendental meaning in all things seek to formulate itself about the feature of the divinity a majestic system of correlated features crystallized which all have reference to him because all things derive their meaning from him the world unfolds itself like a vast hall of symbols like a cathedral of ideas It is the most richly rhythmical conception of the world, a polyphonous expression of eternal harmony. In the Middle Ages, the symbolist attitude was much more in evidence than the casual or the genetic attitude. Not that this latter mode of conceiving the world as a process of evolution was wholly absent. Medieval thought, too, sought to understand things By means of their origin, but destitute of experimental methods and neglecting even observation and analysis, it was reduced, in order to state genetic relations, to abstract deduction. All notions of one thing proceeding from another took the naive form of procreation or ramification. The image of a tree or a pedigree sufficed to represent any relations of origin and cause An arbor de origine iuris et legum for example classified all law in the form of a tree with numerous branches owing to its primitive methods the evolutionist thought of the middle ages was bound to remain schematic arbitrary and sterile from the casual point of view symbolism appears as a sort of short circuit of thought instead of looking for the relation between two things by following the hidden detours of their casual connections thought makes a leap and discovers the relation not in a connection of cause or effects but in a connection of signification or finality such a connection will at once appear convincing provided only that the two things have an essential quality in common which can be referred to a general value expressed in terms of experimental psychology all mental association based on a casual similitude whatever will immediately set up the idea of an essential and mystic connection this may well seem a rather meagre mental function moreover it reveals itself as a very primitive function when envisaged from an ethnological point of view primitive thought is characterized by a general feebleness of perception of the exact demarcation between different concepts so that it tends to incorporate into the notion of a definite something all the notions connected with it by any relation or similitude whatsoever with this tendency the symbolizing function is closely related it is however possible to view symbolism in a more favorable light by abandoning for a while the point of view of modern science symbolism will lose this appearance of arbitrariness and abortiveness when we take into account the fact that it is indissolubly linked up with the conception of the world which was called realism in the middle ages and which modern philosophy prefers to call though less correctly platonic idealism symbolic assimilation founded on common properties presupposes the idea that these properties are essential to things the vision of white and red roses blooming among thorns at once calls up a symbolic assimilation in the medieval mind for example that of virgins and martyrs shining with glory in the midst of their persecutors the assimilation is produced because the attributes are the same the beauty the tenderness the purity the colors of the roses are also those of the virgins their red color that of the blood of the martyrs but this similarity will only have a mystic meaning if the middle term connecting the two terms of the symbolic concept expresses an essentiality common to both in other words if redness and whiteness are something more than names for a physical difference based on quantity if they are conceived as essences as realities The mind of the savage, of the child, and of the poet never sees them otherwise. Now, beauty, tenderness, whiteness, being realities, are also entities. Consequently, all that is beautiful, tender or white, must have a common essence, the same reason of existence, the same significance before God. In pointing out these very strong links between symbolism and realism, in the scholastic sense, we should be careful not to think too much of the quarrel about the universals. We know very well that the realism which declared universalia ante rem, and attributed essentiality and pre-existence to general ideas, did not dominate medieval thought without a struggle undoubtedly there were also nominalists but it does not seem too bold to affirm that radical nominalism had never been anything but a reaction an opposition a counter current vainly disputing the ground with the fundamental tendencies of the medieval spirit as philosophical formulae realism and nominalism had early made each other the necessary concessions the new nominalism of the fourteenth century that of the occamites or moderns merely removed certain inconveniences of an extreme realism which it left intact by relegating the domain of faith to a world beyond the philosophical speculations of reason now it is in the domain of faith that realism obtains and here it is to be considered rather as a mental attitude of a whole age than a philosophic opinion in this larger sense it may be considered inherent in the civilization of the middle ages and as dominating all expressions of thought and of the imagination undoubtedly neoplatonism strongly influenced medieval theology but was not the sole cause of the general realists trend of thought every primitive mind is realist in the medieval sense independently of all philosophic influence to such a mentality everything that receives a name becomes an entity and takes a shape which projects itself on the heavens this shape in the majority of cases will be the human shape all realism in the medieval sense leads to anthropomorphism having attributed a real existence to an idea the mind wants to see this idea alive and can only affect this by personifying it in this way allegory is born it is not the same thing as symbolism symbolism expresses a mysterious connection between two ideas allegory gives a visible form to the conception of such a connection symbolism is a very profound function of the mind allegory is a superficial one it aids symbolic thought to express itself but endangers it at the same time by substituting a figure for a living idea the force of the symbol is easily lost in the allegory so allegory in itself implies from the outset normalizing projecting on a surface crystallizing moreover medieval literature had taken it in as a wave of decadent antiquity marcianus capella and prudentius had been the models allegory seldom loses an air of elderliness and pedantry still the use of it supplied a very earnest craving of the medieval mind how else can we explain the preference which this form enjoyed so long these three modes of thought together realism symbolism and personification have illuminated the medieval mind with a flood of lights the ethic and aesthetic value of the symbolical interpretation of the world was inestimable. Embracing all nature and all history, symbolism gave a conception of the world of a still more rigorous unity than that which modern science can offer. Symbolism's image of the world is distinguished by impeccable order, architectonic structure, hieratic subordination. For, each symbolic connection implies a difference of rank or sanctity two things of equal value are hardly capable of a symbolic relationship with each other unless they are both connected with some third thing of a higher order symbolist though permits of an infinity of relations between things each thing may denote a number of distinct ideas by its different special qualities, and a quality may also have several symbolic meanings. The highest conceptions have symbols by the thousand. Nothing is too humble to represent and to glorify the sublime. The walnut signifies Christ, the sweet kernel is his divine nature, the green and pulpy outer peel is his humanity the wooden shell between is the cross thus all things raise the thoughts to the eternal being thought of as symbols of the highest in a constant gradation they are all transfused by the glory of divine majesty every precious stone beside its natural splendor sparkles with the brilliance of its symbolic values the assimilation of roses and virginity is much more than a poetic comparison for it reveals their common essence as each notion arises in the mind the logic of symbolism creates a harmony of ideas the special quality of each of them is lost in its ideal harmony and the rigor of rational conception is tempered by the presentment of some mystic unity a consistent concord reigns between all the spiritual domains the old testament is the prefiguration of the new profane history reflects the one and the other about each idea other ideas group themselves forming symmetrical features as in a kaleidoscope eventually all symbols group themselves about the central mystery of the eucharist here there is more than symbolic similitude there is identity the host is christ and the priest in eating it becomes truly the sepulchre of the lord the world objectionable in itself became acceptable by its symbolic purport for every object each common trade had a mystical relation with the most holy which ennobled it bonaventura identified the handicrafts symbolically with the eternal generation and incarnation of the world and with the covenant between god and the soul even profane love is attached by symbolic connection to divine love in this way all individual suffering is but the shadow of divine suffering and all virtue is as a partial realization of absolute goodness symbolism in thus detaching personal suffering and virtue from the sphere of the individual in order to raise them to that of the universal constituted a salutary counterpoise to the strong religious individualism bent on personal salvation which is characteristic of the middle ages religious symbolism offered one cultural advantage more to the latter of formulated dogma rigid and explicit in itself the flowering imagery of symbols formed as it were a musical accompaniment which by its perfect harmony allowed the mind to transcend the deficiencies of logical expression symbolism opened up all the wealth of religious conceptions to art to be expressed in forms full of color and melody and yet vague and implicit so that by these the profoundest intuitions might soar towards the ineffable in the later middle ages the decline of this mode of thought had already long set in the representation of the universe in a grand system of symbolical relations had long been complete still the symbolizing habit maintained itself adding ever new features that were like petrified flowers symbolism at all times shows a tendency to become mechanical once accepted as a principle it becomes a product not of poetical enthusiasm only but of subtle reasoning as well and as such it grows to be a parasite clinging to thought causing it to degenerate symbolic assimilation is often only based on an equality of number an immense perspective of ideal series of relationships is opened up in this way but they amount to nothing more then arithmetical exercises thus the twelve months signified the apostles the four seasons the evangelists the year christ a regular cluster was formed of systems of seven with the seven virtues correspond the seven supplications of the lord's prayer the seven gifts of the holy spirit The seven beatitudes and the seven penitential psalms all these groups of seven are again connected with the seven moments of the passion and the seven sacraments each of them is opposed to one of the seven deadly sins which are represented by seven animals and followed by seven diseases a director of consciences like gerson from whom these examples are borrowed is inclined to lay the stress on the moral and practical value of these symbolisms in a visionary like helene de la roche the aesthetic element prevails his symbolic speculations are very highly elaborated and somewhat factitious in order to obtain a system in which the numbers fifteen and ten enter representing the cycles of one hundred and fifty aves and of fifteen patterns which he prescribed to his brotherhood of the rosary he adds the eleven celestial spheres and the four elements and then multiplies by the ten categories substance quality etc as the product he obtained one hundred and fifty natural habits in the same way the multiplication of the ten commandments by fifteen virtues give one hundred and fifty moral habits to arrive at the figure of fifteen virtues he counts beside the three theological virtues and the four cardinal virtues seven capital virtues which makes fourteen there remain two other virtues religion and penitence that makes sixteen which is one too many but as temperance of the cardinal series is identical with the abstinence of the capital series we finally obtain the number fifteen each of these fifteen virtues is a queen having her nuptial bed in one of the divisions of the pater noster. each of the words of the ave signifies one of the fifteen perfections of the virgin and at the same time a precious stone and is able to drive away a sin or the animal which represents that sin they represent other things as well the branches of a tree which carries all the blessed ones the steps of a staircase to quote but two examples the word ave signifies the innocence of the virgin and the diamond it drives away pride or the lion which represents pride the word maria denotes her wisdom and the carbuncle it drives away envy symbolized by a black dog sometimes alain gets a little entangled in his very complicated system of symbolisms symbolism was in fact played out finding symbols and allegories had become a meaningless intellectual pastime shallow fancifulness resting on a single analogy the sanctity of the object still gives it some small spiritual value as soon as the craze of symbolism spreads to profane or simply moral matters decadence is manifest froissart in l'horloge amoureuse compares all the details of love to the various parts of a time-piece and molinet vie with each other in political symbolism the three estates represent the qualities of the virgin the seven electors of the empire signifies the virtues the five towns of Artois and hainault which In 1477, remained faithful to the House of Burgundy, are the five wise virgins. In reality, this is a symbolism turned upside down. It uses things of the higher order as symbols of things of the lower order, for these authors, in effect, raise terrestrial things to the higher level by employing sacred conceptions merely to adorn them the donatus moralisatus sometimes but erroneously ascribed gerson mixed up latin grammar with theology the noun substantive is the man the pronoun means that he is a sinner the lowest grade of this kind of mental activity is represented by works like le Parment et triomphe de dames of olivier de la marche in which each article of female costume symbolized a virtue a theme also developed by coquillart de la pantoufle ne nous vient que santé et tout profit sans grief maladie pour lui donner titre d'autorité je lui donne le nom d'humilité the slipper only gives us health and all profit without serious illness to give it a title to authority i give it the name of humility end of footnote in the same way shoes mean care and diligence stockings perseverance the garter resolution etc it is clear that to the men of the 15th century, this genre did not appear so silly as it does to us, otherwise, they would not have cultivated it with so much gusto. We are thus led to conclude that, to the mind of the declining Middle Ages, symbolism and allegory had not yet lost all their living significance. The tendency to symbolize and to personify was so spontaneous that nearly every thought of itself took a figurative shape every idea being considered as an entity and every quality as an essence they were at once invested by the imagination with a personal form denis de cartusian in his revelations sees the church in fully as personal a shape As when it was represented in an allegory on the stage, one of its revelations deals with the future reformation of the church, such as fifteenth century theology was hoping for a church cleansed from the evils that stained it. The spiritual beauty of this purified church was revealed to his vision in the form of a superb and precious garment with marvelous colors and ornaments another time he sees the persecuted church ugly anemic and feebles god warns him that the church is going to speak and denis then hears the inner voice as thought it proceeded from the person of the church quasi ex persona ecclesiae, the figurative form that thinking assumes here is so direct and so sufficient to evoke the desired associations that no need is felt to explain the allegory in detail the idea of a splendid garment is fully adequate to express a spiritual purity though here has resolved itself into an image just as it can resolve itself into a melody let us recall once more the allegorical personages of the roman de la rose to us it requires an effort to picture to ourselves, Bulaque douce merci, humble request. To the men of the Middle Ages, on the other hand, these features had a very vivid aesthetic and sentimental value, which put them almost on a level with those divinities which the Romans conceived out of abstractions, like power and pallor, concordia, etc., to the minds of the declining Middle Ages, du pense, rond, souvenirs, and the rest were endowed with a quasi divine existence. Otherwise, the Roman de la Rose would have been unreadable. One of the features passed even from its original meaning to still more concrete signification. Danger, in amoureux parlance, meant the jealous husband allegory is often called in to express a thought of particular importance thus the bishop of chalons wishing to address a very serious political remonstrance to philip the good gives it an allegorical form and presents it to the duke at hesdin on saint andrew's day fourteen thirty seven holtes de signori, chase it out of the empire Having first fled to France, next to the court of Burgundy, is unconsolable, and complains of being harrowed there too by carelessness of the prince, feebleness of counsel, envy of servants, exaction of the subjects, to drive away which it will be necessary to oppose vigilance of the prince, etc., to them in short the whole political argument has taken the form of a tableau vivant instead of a newspaper leader as it would take with us evidently this was the way to create an impression and it follows that allegory still had a suggestive force which we find it very hard to realize the burgher of paris in his diary is a prosaic man who takes little trouble to ornament his style nevertheless when he comes to the most horrible events he has to relate that is to say to the bagudian murderers in paris in june fourteen eighteen, he at once rises to allegory then arose the goddess of discord who lived in the tower of evil counsel and the woke brat the mad woman and covetedness and rage and vengeance and they took up arms of all sorts and cast out reason justice remembrance of god and moderation most shamefully his narrative of the atrocities committed is entirely composed in the symbolic fashion then madness the enraged and murder and slaughter killed cut down put to death massacred all they found in the prisons and covetousness tucked up her skirts to her belt with rapine her daughter and larceny her son afterwards the aforesaid people went by the guidance of their goddesses that is to say vera covetousness and vengeance who led them through all the public prisons of paris etc why does the author use allegory here to give his narrative a more solemn tone than the one he uses for the daily events which he generally notes down in his diary he feels the necessity of regarding these atrocious events as something more than the crimes of a few individual malefactors allegory in his way of expressing his sense of tragedy it is just when allegory shapes us most that it fully reveals its dominion over the medieval mind we can bear it more or less in a tableau vivant where conventional features are draped in a fantastical and unreal apparel the fifteenth century dresses up its allegorical features as well as its saints in the costume of the time and has the faculty of creating new personages for each thought it wants to express to tell the moral tale of a giddy young man who is led to ruin by the life at court, Charles de Rochefort, in La Court, invents a whole new series of personages like those of the Rose, and these dim creations, folle cuisine, folle bonbons, foolish credulity, foolish show, and the rest are represented in the miniatures illustrating the work like noblemen of the age time himself does not require a bird or a sheath and appears in doublets and hose. the very commonplace aspect of these allegories is precisely what shows their vitality we can understand that the human shape is ascribed to virtues or to sentiments but the spirit of the middle ages does not hesitate to extend this process to notions which to us have nothing personal the personification of lent was a widely known type from thirteen hundred onward we find it in the poem la bataille de caresme et de charnage a theme which peter brugel was to take up much later and illustrate with his mad fancy a current proverb said, Charisme fait ses flancs la nuit de passe. Footnote, Lent bakes his cakes on Easter night. End of footnote. In certain towns of North Germany, a doll called Lent was suspended in the char of the church and taken down during mass on the wednesday before easter was there a difference between the idea which people formed of saints and that of purely symbolic personages undoubtedly the former were acknowledged by the church they had a historical character and statues of wood and stone but the latter were in touch with living fancy and after all we may ask ourselves if to popular imagination beulacuy or faux did not appear as real as the saint barbara and saint christopher on the other hand there is no real contrast between medieval allegory and renaissance mythology there is rather a fusion the mythological figures are older than the renaissance Benius, and fortune for instance had never completely died and allegory on the other hand kept its vogue for a long time after the fifteenth century nowhere stronger than in english literature in the poetry of froissin dos blanc, refus Danger, and escondi are seen contending as it were with mythological features like atropos Cloto, at first the latter are less vivid and colored than the allegories they are dull and shadowy and there is nothing classic about them gradually renaissance sentiment brings about a complete change the olympians and the nymphs get the better of the allegorical personages who fade away in proportion as the poetic glory of antiquity is more intensely felt symbolism with its servant allegory ultimately became an intellectual pastime the symbolic mentality was an obstacle to the development of casual thought as casual and genetic relations must needs look insignificant by the side of symbolic connections thus the sacred symbolism of the two luminaries and the two swords, for a long time, buried the road to historic and juridical criticism of papal authority. For the symbolizing of papacy and empire as the sun and the moon, or as the two swords brought by the disciples, was to the medieval mind far more than a striking comparison. It revealed the mystic foundation of the two powers, and established directly the precedence of Saint peter dante in order to investigate the historical foundation of the pope's primacy had first to deny the appropriateness of the symbolism the time was not distant when people were bound to awake to the danger of symbolism when arbitrary and futile allegories would become distasteful and be rejected as tremors of thought luther branded them in an invective which is aimed at the greatest lights of scholastic theology bonaventura guillaume duin gerson and denis de carthusian these allegorical studies he exclaims are the work of people who have too much leisure do you think i should find it difficult to play at allegory making about any created thing whatsoever who he so feeble-witted that he could not try his end at it? symbolism was a defective translation into images of secret connection dimly felt such as music reveals to us. videmus nunc per speculum in enigmate. the human mind felt that it was face to face with an enigma, but none the less it kept on trying to discern the figures in the glass. Explaining images by yet other images. Symbolism was like a second mirror held up to that of the phenomenal world itself. End of section 18.